0: Thank you for joining us at Nikki Dare Radio on Blog Talk Radio, heard worldwide by millions of listeners, with your lovely host, Ms. Nikki Dare. Our podcast, hosted by Nikki Dare, is your home for education to safety and survival, leadership and inspiration. Nikki Dare is the founder of iDare Inc., a registered 501c3 with its mission to educate and mobilize resources for preparedness and sustainability. iDARE is a grassroots credo and personal mission based on its pillars of excellence, integrity, diversity, adaptation, resilience, and empowerment. Ms. Dare's personal mission is to help you encounter your purpose by unlocking your inherent potential and finding joy in the journey. Nikki Dare is the published author of The Audacity of Veracity, a columnist, women in the field of Western Outdoor News, California's publication of fishing and hunting. Ms. Dare is a certified firearms instructor in rifle, shotgun, and handgun, RSO, range safety officer, and CERT, Community Emergency Response Training Member, a FEMA certified training, women's advocate, transformational mentor, and a seasoned bpr change management consultant since her early 20s in transforming companies and decades later she is reinventing her purpose nikki dare's life has been spent passionately in helping others going through transformation both personal and professional and now here's your lovely host ms nikki dare
1: All right, guys. So I was able to get Mr. Patrick Garrity to join us as he weighs in in his insights to this particular topic on Las Vegas massacre. You know, the Las Vegas shooting is a chilling reminder that, you know, big public concerts such as this one remain as a soft target. And the industry-wide is still scrambling with more information, grappling with what lessons it should draw from this massacre. So what do we learn from this another tragic horror attack? Yeah, that's a question there what are the public measurement safety measurements to consider we touched base a little bit a little bit earlier uh, with Bill Carnes and also David Gray so I want to just bring you back and then kind of you know listen into your uh, weigh in um, how you feel about this and we want to listen to your thoughts so go ahead go go ahead right dive into it
2: um, Well I just wanted to trailer on what uh, David and uh, Bill were Talking about, and as with all of these situations, and as we do on this on this show, each time one of these tragedies occurs, is we utilize hindsight. Hindsight being 2020, it's a corny, cheesy saying, um, you know. And the lessons to be learned from this are lessons just like anything else, you know. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, Nikki, um, you know, these law enforcement agencies, these security companies, the security at the venues at the at the establishments you know they're all trying to do their best to protect for many different types of attacks but you just can't prepare for everything you know and
0: uh, uh, as
2: an example anybody could go get in a commuter plane or a a little plane and uh they could have flown it into that crowd and possibly killed even even more just by flying a plane into that crowd that crowd had nowhere to go
1: Damage more people. So exactly.
2: it, it, yeah, it's, it's not always possible to prepare for every specific event, you know, but, the, but those lessons will be learned on this one, and everybody will update their security standard operating procedures uh, in order to, you know, try and circumvent or have less casualties at the, at the next one of these, you know, which, which is bound to happen again because there's always, there's always a target and there's always a threat. And there's always somebody studying a weakness of how to get to that target.
1: Right. So, we we and, mentioned and there's that there's
2: always a weekend. It's the same thing that happens in cybersecurity. There's always a back door, a side door, or a weakness, yeah. or some, some way to exploit some system. Even the Pentagon, even the White House, everybody's got everybody's been hacked. You know. So, so the the thing that I wanted to add to then to what, what Bill and David had to say was. That uh, of course there needs to be updates in the sta- in these standard operating procedures. You know that I think what what major locations like nuclear power plants and airports and military installations all try to go off of is you know these three rings of security. And, you know the Secret Service used to go off of this as well, where you have internal security looking outward you know, you have your next ring of security looking inward and you have another ring of security facing even further outward looking for threats beyond, um, you know, and, and that's kind of an old school method. There's lots of variations to that and whatnot, but, you know, the keep sometimes keeping the, the plan in general simple works the best. Mm-hmm. And, you Right. As we saw after nine eleven, the changes that may, were made after nine eleven, with all of these major in agencies and local agencies, government agencies and local agencies, all trying to work together to figure out this situation and make something good happen. You know what they found in in the event after the nine eleven commission was that they needed some type of liaison between these local law enforcement and first responder agencies and private companies and the big government agencies that are there to help with disaster relief and whatnot, you know, and I, I think that's that's a major thing that needs to happen. They, they, you know, there needs to be some serious training and education going on with local law enforcement and these private security companies, as well as you know anybody else involved in the security of these venues at these at these types of establishments, as well as you know. the the venues where they're holding these concerts and sporting events I I really think it's important for if they're all going to be working together eventually if a threat were to expose itself uh, and there be victims and first responders responding you know if they're going to be forced to work together eventually then they should be involved in some sort of planning and you know pre-planning standard operating procedures need to be Mesh. There needs to be some type of liaison going back and forth so that everybody's on the same page. Right. You know, I, I think that's the I think that's the major thing that needs to happen here.
1: I think if they haven't done so, I mean, we talked about this. I think, uh, David. I mean, you can go ahead and weigh in on this. Uh, we, we we did touch base on this a little bit on the uh, no, no, it's, uh, it's hotel a very owners. This point, because when
3: when I was in Afghanistan working as a private security contractor, every Friday. We had meetings with the local Afghan national police, all of the uh, base uh, military, the U.S. and German, One of the things that, that Patrick said about having a room of security that looks outward um, is, is very important. And that's what, what I talk, talked about just a little bit with the, the guys on the rooftops, the police looking out at, at the other buildings. Uh, what I was kind of happy didn't happen was I was happy that this guy hadn't set up explosive charges around the perimeter in places that he thought were safe zones. Started firing into the crowd. People ran into places where they got ex- they ran into explosive devices. I was also happy that nobody went in with a bulldozer
1: because it's very easy to commandeer a bulldozer and just go piling through a crowd. Mm, okay, so, right. Uh, that's
3: one of my that's one of my major fears is that one of these
2: one of these mass attacks uh, eventually there's going to be some type of follow-on attack where all the you know, casualties are carted off to, you know, that's all it takes is somebody just watching the situation, how our first responders unfold, how the situation unfolds with them. And then you pick apart that and find weaknesses where the mass gathering is after that, because everybody isn't just getting let go. You know, police have to question them. So what are the police questioning them usually when these types of attacks happen? So you better believe people are watching this attack and studying how our law enforcement
1: Absolutely, thoughts.
2: and that, that's that's one of the dangers of posting Absolutely. these videos online because it, all these videos online really kind of show our tactics and, right. uh, and 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 there are you know not necessarily weaknesses or flaws in those
3: tactics, but you know
1: they're studying it, the they're, they're evaluating it. it, yeah, it, 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 mapping it out, you know, like a field sketching, right? We, we call it down there uh, in the field yeah. and say, okay, well, um, you know, as we're speaking right now tonight. There's already somebody who's probably planning it out for the next one. I mean, unfortunately to say, you know, it it is reality. You know,
2: know, the level of coordination and security that really needs to happen at these types of events where there's a lot of people at, like football games, is the same type of coordination and and security that goes on when the president comes to town to give a speech. You know, but that's that's not done for, for... when seventy thousand people get together for a for a football game at a stadium, but it's definitely done when the president comes to town. You know, but, but that's always, a very good point. Are, are we living in a country where that's necessary now?
1: You oh know, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, that's,
2: that's, that's the big question. We right. Again, 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 I always bring up the social contract where we give up some of our freedoms and our tax dollars for security from the chaos and, and, and anarchy and mayhem. You know, and so how much are we giving up? Do we need to treat Vegas and all the events that happen at Vegas just like the president is coming into town with heightened security always? You know that like, like we're living in Israel now, where at any moment. You know, the place can blow up
1: wherever you are. Or, right. Or. I think um, earlier we mentioned about the element of, you know, we don't want to expose too much of those kind of security uh, being exposed in the public uh, because we are not trying to fear other guests of the hotel or the casino. Isn't that right, uh, David, when we mentioned about that earlier? Yeah, yeah we talked
3: about, talked about one, keeping it, keeping it a little bit subversive to a level to where people don't know Every single detail of security that's, that's going on at the hotel—it's not all visible. Some of it happens behind the scenes, so that it, 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 it throws a chink into their plans. You know, they don't—they don't know what they're going to encounter or what they're going to miss in their planning. So it, it helps to keep some things out of view and, and out of the knowledge of the general public as a whole. Right. So,
1: what? What are so your thoughts? Like
3: script- Screening bags as they pass through the bellman station. So, uh, you know, you offload a bags from the tour bus, and they, they go through the bellman's room. And inside that room is a is an X-ray machine
0: uh, that no one knows is really there. But and you're required to use the bell
3: service for bags over a certain size.
1: Mm, right. That's one of the things CCTV also, or, um, screening the metal, what we bring in. And then, you know, that c- kind of get tangled with, you know, a person who is a gun, gun owner or carrying concealed, let's say, um, we, we touched, uh, we touched base on that too with Bill earlier, right? Right. One of, one of the things that, um, that I
0: would like to say is first thing is we need to remember is that humans are
3: top-of-the-line predators, and I've said this before, we're top-of-the-line predators. Our cunningness and ingenuity to overcome problems and solve them is unmatched on this planet. Mm. So when whatever devices that we can create to, to try to, to solve the problem, whatever SOPs we can put into place,
1: I think you, you raised also a good point there, um, Patrick, about, you know, it's a good thing that they don't, uh, how do you say that? Not bulldozing, but the other way, grazing the uh, the entire vicinity.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, The the if you wanted to talk about the angles there using grazing, lower um, angle would have probably been able to do more damage there's i mean there's a lot of ways this guy could have done more damage uh as, as they were talking about before setting up uh, secondary explosives wherever you know the people were um, meeting casualty points and whatnot but uh it's just a scary situation overall and it's tough to plan for every single type of one of these situations it's impossible
1: what blows me away is that you know this guy doesn't have any combat training whatsoever. Zero, you know. I don't want to get into details about this, right? I don't want to get into details about this guy, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But it just blows me away. I mean, this puts it back, puts us back again to, this could happen at any time. This could happen. I mean, so much that we can prepare, like you said, Patrick. So much that we can prepare and everything. But what if the next one is going to outcome? But then you you also raise a good point, David, that, you know, we were. You know, intelligence. We we should use that. We're supposed to be smart, right? We're at the, at the top of the food lo- food chain. Um, predators.
3: They said that this guy left behind a note. Uh, left behind uh, notes calculating trajectory, bullet drop, and holdover for for the distance that he was shooting. If that's true, that means that he's either self-studied. About high angle shooting and long distance precision shooting, or uh, he's trained. Uh, He took training, that somebody didn't know either who he was or exactly you know what his agenda was going to be, which would be impossible to know if he's got a completely clean background. Mm. That information is practically useless, though, if he's
2: firing from a high angle with bump fire weapons or fully automatic weapons. You know, I mean. He wasn't. He wasn't exactly firing single shot sniper fire, um, which is what that. Which is what Nikki's point is. Is you know, if there's somebody trained, you know, they're doing it from a, a lower floor with a fully automatic weapon using grazing fire, or they're up in that nest with some sniper training and you know, one at a time. But you know, regardless of regardless of the how and and the what actually happened, you know, there's. There's no there's no gun law that they could possibly put on the books that could have prevented this from happening. That's one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other right. the
2: other thing the other thing you know hindsight being 2020 is that all of these local law enforcement agencies, all of the uh, security companies, uh, all all of the security units that man the hotels and casinos. They're all going to have a, a quick changeover in their SOPs and, you know, hopefully they have some type of way of liaisoning between, between all of those assets and coordinating their efforts.
1: If they haven't done so, I mean, they better do it right now, right?
2: Yeah, I thought, you know, in all these situations, I'm always kind of impressed at how all of these assets band together and make something happen,
3: you mm. know? Right. Uh,
2: after nine, after nine eleven, especially uh, the the Boston Marathon, uh, this this situation, it takes some time to get tactical units to the right location. You know, think about how it all think about how it all starts. It all starts with some phone calls coming into nine one one, right? And and then that operator has to dispatch units. Uh, f- figure out what to dispatch and where to go and, and then get more information and give it to them on the way. Those units have to come up with a plan. Do they need a tactical plan? Are there civilians involved? They have to get people out of the situation while tactically taking down uh, a target, whatever the case may be. That takes some time. I'm I'm actually fairly impressed with how quickly the situation came down. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised at all to hear... Um, you guys talk about, I did not know actually how he got taken down, the details of it. I knew he was taken down, but I didn't know it was a security guard and a local law enforcement in the hallway uh, checking on the smoke alarm. That was that was interesting. I thought it was a complete tactical team. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I, mean, but, I mean, that's, as we see again, uh, it's the people that are on the scene, whether that be, uh, we talked about this last time with the London, the, uh, the, you know, the bridge, the, the, yeah, we talked about this last time where it was all about the, the people in on the scene, whether there's, right. there's first responders on the team, whether that's a, on the scene, whether that's a security guard in the hotel uh, fo- followed by a local law enforcement guy or that's, you know, somebody that's brave enough to try and quell the situation right then and there, um, at, you know, if, obviously if they don't have loved ones to get to safety first. Right. Um,
1: so what do you think, David? I mean, you have something to say about that?
3: Well, he, I, I'm sorry I couldn't hear everything Patrick said. It kind of cut in and out. But um, what I did notice was this guy had two different weapons setups in the room. He had one rifle that was set up for longer distance, more precision shooting. It was scoped uh, and, and did not have a bump stock, bump stock on it. The scope was of
0: significant magnification, 16 power or above, um, mm. and he was using a bipod and shorter,
3: shorter magazines than the 60-round magazines that that are stacked in the in the room. Mm, okay. um, and so he was using he was using 30 rounds or less magazines for that weapon, and he was using the scope. The other weapon was set up with a holographic sight. And oh wow. his spray-and-pray kind of tactic after he'd already ranged in the distance and figured out kind of where his holdover was with the sniper rifle. The first shots that are heard are single shots. There's about 10 or so shots that are single shots fired into the crowd, and that's when people don't know what it is. They they think it's fireworks. And then uh, people start to move because somebody's gotten hit. People start to leave. who filmed the 10 minute video of prior to the, the initial shot um, was standing there going what was that what was that why what's going on why are people leaving and, it, and the people are, are starting to leave and then you can tell there's a little pause between the, the single shot being fired and then the guy he's changing over weapons saying okay I, I kind of know where I need to be hmm. let's Switches over to the one with the bump stock and the 60 round magazine and the holographic sight, and then he lets it rip, and that's when people start running. Hmm.
1: Right. And,
3: and about about other things that don't make sense. It doesn't them. make sense. It, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't add up. Right, it doesn't add up. <laughs>
1: I think over time, I mean, we, we won't see the truth, you know. Uh, would you agree with me, Patrick? I mean, we won't hear it from the news media unless... Um, I, this is what we know. This is what I know. The world is full of dirtbags, scumbags. <laughs> evil is evil. Uh, nothing or no one can change that, you know. And we, we, as far as the news and the media and everything, collecting information... Um, I guess that's the reason why I don't have TV, huh? I don't watch TV, <laughs> but um, I, I just, I just want to sit back. I mean, just like how David was saying, you know, sit back and just kind of watch it. Over time, you will collect it, um, some information, pick it up. Uh, whether it's, you know, because I see it all over, floating around the internet. It's been fabricated. Um, I know I say something like this at the very first beginning. I even posted on my social media that it could be like multiple shooters uh, because that's just the way I felt. But is it true? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, we can only assume, right? Or what do you think? It's not really... Yeah, well, it,
3: we don't know yet. And, and until the CCTV video is analyzed, until uh, all the different reports come in, and all the, all the, the a video that was filmed during that during that day is really broken down
1: and analyzed not not just by law enforcement but by civilians, by news agencies, uh, by intelligence agencies. We won't know the 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 whole story until we've had time to break it all down and digest that information. But what I'm trying to say still is that it will be fabricated in somewhat to a certain extent. I mean, it's just the way I I view now how media is presenting some of this, you know, information. How do you, what what are your thoughts on that Patrick? Well, that's,
3: that's already being seen in the, uh, by the, the civilian population is keep an eye on what the media is putting out. Um, and a lot of people are are uh, let's just say correcting the news media's narrative. Yeah, uh, when they when they start to try to lead things astray by editing video <laughs> yeah, same, right. certain things that it shouldn't say or look a certain way, right. look. They go back and they say, well, this is what the real video looks like before the editing, before the sound was separated and, and changed and altered and, and things like that. So, you know, that for that, I really kind of praise these. Uh, crazy internet
1: warriors that I usually am not a big fan of. No, but, um, right. But I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's what it is, what it is, you know. I mean, these are serving for the masses that don't know anything much about some things. I mean, we talk about the guns thing a while ago, too. It just well, that, dazzled me. Go that's ahead.
2: How I, that's how I think it's going to go down, is we're, we're not going to ever find out exactly the entire story because we're going to get handed something on a silver platter uh, because that's easy mm-hmm. and there may be something more to it than just this guy, but right. we're going to make the story fit just this guy because that's what we have. Right. You know, um, I, I, I certainly hope there are efforts to find out if it was more than just this guy
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because, I mean, I, I it's, it's ridiculous how many either students or friends that I have on so many different levels that were involved in this situation, whether they were on the entry teams in the hotel or people I've trained that, um, you know, did the, did the entry on the house in Reno or uh, combat veterans at the concert, um, friends working for security companies in those hotels uh, that are former uh, co- combat you know, uh, special, special operations veterans. Um, you know, a lot of people giving that, that's where I get my information from. I'm not getting my information from the news, Fox news or CNN or whatever. Right. Um, I've, I've seen a few videos from, I, I've tried to stay away from the videos on Facebook. The videos that I've gotten were taken from phones of friends in these situations. Um, on all, di- on all different levels, or audio, or eyewitness accounts, you know, of people breaching, or whatever. Um, so I think there's
1: more to it than, than I just think happening. so, too. I think so, too. There's more to it. I mean, you know, some, some, some group people that know more don't want the public, the mass, to know what, what really went on, um, because yeah. they know more. I mean, I, I just believe it in that. It just is my personal, my personal view in all of this. In the past also, the past massacres, the, you know, all of these things. Because the public mass don't need to know everything. I mean, that's just the way they view it, right? What do you think, David? Well,
3: I, I think we can look at situation and we can look back in history at other similar situations as there are some and one that comes to mind is the university of texas clock tower shooting okay um, where this this individual uh this is back in the late 70s i believe or early 80s and this individual just kind of snapped uh he was he was a former marine he had tried out for snipers uh and was getting into a sniper unit because he had eyeglasses and apparently had some mental issues that were red flagged at the time so he was discharged without being able to, to join the group that he wanted to join so he went and he, he ended up off in civilian life and worked for a while taking care of his family or whatever and then uh kind of lost it started hearing voices in his head and started talking to himself and, I it was going to take ten rifles at the time. There weren't a bunch of magazine-fed rifles like there are now. They were they were, uh, clip-fed, or as mm-hmm. the politicians call them, clipazine-fed uh, right. rifles. Um, that that he had access to, and he had bolt-action rifles. So he went up, he went up on the clock tower at the University of Texas and started shooting at people, and locked himself up there. And it. it To basically climb the clock tower, bash open the the service hatch, uh, to, to get to the, the the ledge that he was on, and they had to take him by force and shoot him, and they ended up actually shooting him with one of his own rifles. Uh, it was up on the roof with him as they followed him <laughs> in physical hand-to-hand struggle. So, you know, we we can we can look at that. Right. And to live past a certain age, right? right. I have a, I have a friend whose dad was a, a wonderful man and, and worked in law enforcement. And on his 60th birthday, he had written a note to his son said, "I just don't want to live any longer because my body's deteriorating. I'm going to become a, a burden to my family and a, a burden on my." So we're talking about and mental
1: mental health issue now, right? Right. The guy says, hey, you
3: know, I've got a terminal illness that can't be cured. I don't want to go through all the medical treatment. And I'm going to show these people how smart and how cunning and, and how dangerous I could have been by huh. actually
1: being that dangerous. Yeah. Just, we don't know yet. We yeah. have to see what comes out of it. Right, right, right. All right, well, gentlemen, um, how about if we wrap it all up right now? And then last thoughts, Patrick. Yeah. Well,
2: just the same thoughts we always have is, right. you know, let's make sure we look back upon this and learn something about it. And, you know, hope that, hope that we make some, change, some necessary changes. I, I, I think it's interesting to make the correlation between uh, the changes that are necessary in this situation and the changes that are, were necessary after the Boston and after 9-11. I think it's all about coordination of local and government assets uh, private and public, you know, the more liaison you have between those assets, the, the sooner and the more coordinated those first responders are, and uh, the easier we can deal with it, we can deal with the situation. But I, again, I still feel like in all these situations, uh, you know, the assets available have responded well. You know, it takes mm-hmm. time to deal with these situations because you never know what's going to happen,
1: right? And,
2: and you know, in in the instance of this guy up up in a hotel, you know, let's say any anybody that had a shot could have taken a shot, but then you got to be aware of your background. Are you is that round going to go through him and into the next room and hit a child? Right. You know, is, is that collateral damage um, okay, uh, uh, warranted when you've got tens or hundreds of people getting slaughtered down belows? You know. Right. Right. We just we just we just need to.
1: Take a look at this, and that
2: that coordination is going
1: to be the key. Yeah, the rule number four, I think we talked about that with Bill, too. I mean, how long, you know, you mentioned about uh, taking the time, uh, it takes time and everything, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all all this law enforcement or the SWAT guys that came up to the the floor, 32nd floor, and then the guy had the corner suite, uh, you know, from the elevator side all the way down, checking one room, each room, you know, making sure everybody's yeah. okay, uh, reaching out to the uh, the room where he was at. You know, the shooter was at. Uh, it did take time for for doing so. Uh, I think we agree on that, right, David? We talked about that. Any last thought? Go ahead. Yeah, my last thoughts are: Look,
3: when 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 we say that that we want you to get training, it doesn't mean just firearms
1: training. Not at all, right? Yeah.
3: You will be a first responder in your own situation. Exactly. Whether you want to be or not, you will be a first responder in your own
1: situation.
3: So be someone who's trained
1: for medical situations. Right.
3: Correctly, accurately, and in as much detail as possible. If you're the person that's coordinating, ends up coordinating people to get them out, to get them to say safe, safe zones, then figure out exactly what will stop bullets, what what creates a safe zone, what creates a safe area, something that's cover, not concealment, to hide behind. So, so get some basic understanding, some basic knowledge of how guns work, how ballistics work. Works and, and how reporting works, because believe it or not, reporting information accurately to the people who are going to respond to the crisis is one of the most important things you can do. Very and crucial. If you go and you say,
0: "If you go and say, Oh, there's there's a thousand people dead, there's uh, five shooters in the in the venue, they're shooting thousands around the ammunition,' it's complete and utter crap, and they're going to waste time looking for things that don't exist." And right.
3: On what does exist very good point
1: i think that's a very good point so, and, right
3: so when we say get training get training in those things get training on how to deal with situations appropriately
1: and quickly so more than just a firearms training so continue to train hard to stay safe and vigilant i think that's just a basic common sense right there and you are your own first responder when shit hits a fan basically right gentlemen that's what you're saying yeah, I mean, this is it right there. So disaster come, and disaster won't wait. I mean, you know, disaster doesn't recognize who, what you are. I mean, we, we, we say this over and over again. We say this over and over again. Disaster does not recognize your title, social status, gender, ethnicity. I mean, you just need to acquire proper training, proper training. And uh, this life-saving skills that may save your life and your loved ones. I mean, David really pointed out a great, great point there. Uh, invest in some of this life savings training. So, with that said, uh, Patrick Garrity, um, so happen you're in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo? San Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo. I always get that wrong. Sorry, sir. <laughs> yes, yeah, San Luis Obispo. Visit Patrick Garrity for some training. Um, he is also uh, working for the uh, DF Defensive Firearms Training, uh, which is dftraining.net, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct?
2: I think it's a D- dftraining.com. I think the net, net works as well. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Uh, get some training. I mean, he's a great, uh, believe me, I mean, I've trained with him too. Uh, David Gray, he's out in Bangkok, um, probably just about a couple, you know, a couple miles away from here, right? <laughs> um, yeah, go visit him there when you ha- so happen in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, he's out there, and his company is a security services company. Uh, they handle mostly, y- you go tell them that. <laughs> what do you do? Demosecurity.com, right? Right. Just look us up and
3: give us a call either by Facebook Messenger or, or drop us an email. It's all, it's all on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, demosecurity.com.
1: There you have it. This gentleman's only phone calls away, only like a click away. Thank you for listening. My favorite Marines out here tonight. Uh, thank you both uh, for your service. Great friends, David Gray and Patty Garrity. Also, of, of course, Bill Carnes. Very humbled to have you all here. Join us again discussing very important topic. We all need to stay alert, guys, of our surroundings at all times. Get training. Invest yourself in training. Stay vigilant. Watch your six.
0: You have been listening to Nikki Dare's Radio, a podcast of sustainability, with your host, Ms. Nikki Dare. To learn more, please visit Ms. Dare's websites, education.nickydare.com. Workshops on safety preparedness, situational awareness are available. Also available, the Transformational Coaching Series. For corporate and private group pricing, please contact us. She also offers both private and group classes and firearms training, and handgun, rifles, and shotgun for individuals and families and home invasion scenarios. For details on Nikki Dare's outdoor hiking, yoga, and her other outdoor activities, and her passion for fitness and upcoming classes, please visit her website, NikkiDare.com. Join the community conversation to network and learn on different outdoor fun on her website. NikkiDare.com slash freeforum. Follow her on LinkedIn and her social media, Twitter, Instagram, Google, Pinterest, and Facebook. Or simply watch her tutorial videos, you can subscribe to her YouTube channel, Nikki Dare. All about her books and inspirational quotes can be found on her website, Books.NikkiDare.com. Check out her newest website, travel.nikydare.com for all travel resources, savings, and tips. Her calendars, both of living in purpose and passion, as well as her exclusive edition of Firearm Safety, are available for order on her website, NikkiDare.com. All of her broadcasts are available for free download on iTunes podcast, Nikki Dare. For more details on opportunities for sponsorships and speaking engagements, please email us at Education at NikkiDare.com. Join her next time. Living in purpose and passion. Our mission is to live a sustainable life. With your host, Nikki Dare.